It's a true crime edition of This Is Today. I'm joined by John Borowski, a filmmaker and author who's going to talk to us about H.H. Holmes. This is Today. Welcome to This Is Today, the podcast that features the stories that make this day unique. It's Tuesday, November 17th, 2020. I'm Russ, and here's what you need to know about today. Well, it is National Hiking Day today, so go take a hike. No, literally, go actually take a hike. Go outside and take a literal hike. I'm not saying leave, like stop listening to my podcast. I'm saying actually go take a hike. And you can actually listen to us while you're on the hike. That would be totally cool. Uh, unless, of course, it's raining and then your phone gets all wet and I don't want to be responsible for that. But yeah, it's a great thing to do. You feel a little bit better. It gives you some energy. You know, we're, we're looking to get outside of the house. So this is a great way to do it. Now, if you're staying in the house, well, it's also National Homemade Bread Day. This is kind of a bad event to have this year because there's a shortage <laughs> of all the things that you need to make homemade bread in the country. So I don't want to cause like, you know, chaos like it was for toilet paper back in March uh, to go out to get bread supplies. However, it is homemade bread day. So if you have the stuff, go ahead and make it. But maybe, you know, don't go out and get too much. Don't hoard flour or whatever goes in bread. I don't even know. I've never made it. Uh, it's also National Unfriend Day today. And this was something that was started by Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, he declared November 17th a new holiday calling it National Unfriend Day. Basically, you know, you look at your Facebook page and you've got some people on there that maybe you don't even really know them. They're just on your Facebook page for some reason. Well, today is the day to unfriend them, which means tonight when you're scrolling through your Facebook feed and you see people missing, well, they unfriended you today. So uh, enjoy that. Maybe you can have some bread and that will help you feel a little bit better. It's also World Prematurity Day. Okay, so this is about premature babies, you know, preemies. Okay, so the March of Dimes started this event, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to demand that more research is done to help the moms and their premature babies. And you can help too, and it's really easy. You can send a tweet, hashtag blanket change, and talk about how and why you think that more research should be done in this area. You can also just wear purple today or light up your home or office in the color purple. Uh, that's what they're trying to do to help to raise awareness about this. You can also, of course, donate to March of Dimes. Just go to marchofdimes.com and you'll be able to donate there. All right, let's talk about some of our events for today. We start in 1800. It was the day that the United States Congress held its first session. Okay, so what did they accomplish, right? We're always talking about Congress not being able to figure out what to do. Well, they created some taxes. They created some departments like the Department of State and Treasury and things like that. They also started the census. They established the Coast Guard. Uh, they ratified amendments to the Constitution. They did a lot back then in 1800. But if you think about it, you know what? Back then it was like putting a puzzle together, right? You, you put the corner pieces together and it's a little bit easier. So we're right now, we're like on that middle part where the colors kind of blend and we're trying to figure out, at least that's how I look at it. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm just trying to be a little more uh, positive on that whole thing. Uh, in 1858, uh, the day that the city of Denver, Colorado was founded, it's known as the Mile High City. Why? Well, because it's about a mile above sea level. Uh, in 2005, Denver became the first U.S. major city to allow marijuana. Yeah, it made marijuana legal back in 2005. So it truly is the Mile High City. Yes, I had to go there. I had to do that one. It just, you know, 
Come on. It was right there for me. Uh, in 1894, H. H. Holmes, one of the first modern serial killers, he's arrested in Boston, Massachusetts. We'll tell you more about that. I've got a fascinating conversation with author and filmmaker John Borowski later in the show. But right now, let's look at 1962. President John F. Kennedy dedicated Washington Dulles International Airport serving Washington, D.C. region. Uh, he did that on this day. We're coming up on a sad anniversary of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. That's going to be happening this Sunday. I'm going to be talking with another author on that day. He's also the curator of the Sixth Floor Museum at Dealey Plaza. So listen in on Sunday, and uh, you'll hear that fascinating talk as well. All right, and I've got to talk about uh, this one. Back in 1978, the Star Wars Holiday Special aired on CBS. Uh, you know, it starred B. Arthur and Art Carney and Harvey Corman, and it even had a guest appearance by Jefferson Starship. It had all of the original cast of Star Wars in this, so it had to be great, right? Well, no. Uh, everybody knows how bad this is. And I've heard through the years how bad this was. I actually watched it on YouTube the other day. And let me tell you, uh, it's way worse than you're thinking. Whatever you're thinking right now, yeah, it's worse than that. It, it is absolutely <laughs> awful. Uh, I ended up uh, cutting it off in about 20 minutes or so, and I was kind of surprised uh, that I, I made it that far. There is another Star Wars holiday special, actually starting tonight on Disney+. Plus. The Lego Star Wars holiday special. That one actually looks pretty darn cool. So uh, do check out that one on Disney+. Plus. I'll, I'll check it out too, and I'll let you know. It can't be worse than this other thing that was on. All right, and then this, uh, man, we're here. Uh, we're, we're to this point. Uh, last year, the first known case of COVID-19 is traced to a 55-year-old man in Wuhan, China. So we're going to see the podcast change a little bit as we probably start to talk more events about COVID-19. I know that some people come to this podcast just to get away from that. So I won't bring too much of that into the podcast. Hey, but what I'm going to bring into the podcast next is one of my most favorite interviews that I've done. I got to talk to author and filmmaker John Borowski about H.H. Holmes. He's got several uh, fantastic movies on Amazon Prime that you can stream for free. So be sure to do that. But first, stay tuned. We'll be right back and we will talk with him right after this. All right, today we talk about America's first serial killer. He was arrested on this day back in 1894. And because of the way he killed people, we don't really know uh, the final death count. It could be as high as 200 people. H.H. H. Holmes built this multi-use building in Chicago that housed several shops and a hotel. That building later became known as the Murder Castle. Today, I'm joined by filmmaker and author John Borowski, who wrote The Strange Case of Dr. H.H. H. Holmes, and he wrote and directed and produced the H.H. H. Holmes, the America's First Serial Killer, which you can see on Amazon Prime. I just watched it, so uh, you guys should definitely check it out. Hey, John, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so H.H. H. Holmes, unlike Jack the Ripper, everybody, Jack the Ripper became a household name. <laughs> and H.H. H. Holmes did not. Many people haven't heard of him. Tell us a little more about H.H. H. Holmes. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, H.H. H. Holmes was a master criminal. He built his life around a career of crime. That was basically, you know, his career. And, and people, it's hard for people to believe, but 
that's what he made his career from. He, you know, grew up in Gilmanton, New Hampshire, wound up going to medical school at the University of Michigan, and then winding up here where I'm at living in Chicago. And he scammed people out of money and scammed businesses to the point where he was able to design and have built this entire huge building, which was known as the castle in Englewood uh, neighborhood of Chicago at that time in the 1880s uh, and uh, early 1890s. And of course, it was well known for uh, having rented rooms during the World's Fair of 1893, where millions and millions of people came to Chicago from around the world. And after the World's Fair, the building seemed to, you know, uh, you know, it closed up, the home seemed to disappear, but he was moving on to his further scams. And that's what, you know, we're going to talk about his eventual capture. But Holmes was a master, a swindler, con man, serial killer of men, women, and children. And what I really found is some of these serial killers have specific motivations. And Holmes's motivation was primarily financial. I studied every single one of his murders, and they were either covering up an insurance scam or uh, you know, having a mistress sign over property to him, and then he would murder her and possibly her daughter or unborn daughter, um, you know, murdered his partner in a life insurance scam. So it was all financially motivated. You know, he took that ideal of the Gilded Age to an evil extreme. Yeah, and that's not typical for a serial killer. You know, it's there's usually some other motivation, not just money. That that's really it makes him unique in, in the yeah. in the realm of serial killers. Oh, definitely. You know, Carl Panzram, who I did my third film on, focused on him. He was kind of like a revenge motivated serial killer for how he was treated in American prisons and tortured. So I do see there are different motives in many of these serial killers. Not everyone does, of course, but Holmes, like I said, specifically financial. And that was, you know, people find that very strange, but he derived pleasure from the planning and enacting of the of the murders or those scams. And then he was done. He, like every other serial killer, these bodies were just material to him. They were nothing, you know, or he would profit off their skeletons and sell the skeletons to numerous universities and medical schools. So everything was a, a dollar sign. To him. Let's uh, let's talk about the house. So he, of course, you know, dollar sign, it, it seemed like he scammed a lot of people in building the this castle. Uh, he scammed the workers that were, you know, he'd have a mason come in and put up a wall and then fire him and then never pay him. So he even did scams while building this murder house. But I, I would assume that he also did that so that he could sort of hide the labyrinth that was in there. So nobody could figure out what he was creating. Most definitely. He designed, you know, it looked like something out of the mind of Edgar Allan Poe. And you look at the floor plans of this building how one floor, the second floor was almost like a labyrinth. The floor, first floor was unassuming, had shops, blacksmith shop, drugstore, jewelry store, you know, and then his office on the top floor. But when you studied these rooms and there was an empty shaft leaning into the basement where he could just dump bodies if he wanted to. So, you know, basically the building was for murder and covering up of, of his murders. But he was so good at it that eventually, years later, when detectives did go in, they didn't find any evidence. So, you know, when we talk Jeez. about his arrest, eventually it was for life insurance scam. He was great at covering these things up, you know, because people say, well, he may have been Jack the Ripper, blah, blah, blah. You know, there are all these other, you know, of course, uh, you know, theories of, of about H.H. H. Holmes. 
but you know, it, it, you know, he was, I think, you know, number one, it doesn't fit his MO plus he was, you know, highly intelligent and he wouldn't go to another country and leave bodies laying around like that. You know, he was, he was an extremely intelligent serial killer. And, you know, some others are just like Kahneman, but he was extremely intelligent, like genius level. And that's also why we don't have a, a final death count on, on how many he did, because he was so good at covering these up. Yes. You know, Harold Schechter, the author of a book uh, on Holmes, says around nine, I say around between nine and a dozen. Who knows? It could be hundreds. But, you know, he was really busy when you look at the realities of it. You know, he was running the building. He had these wives and mistresses. He had three wives at the same time, you know. And so I, I don't know about, you know, even if he had enough time to do hundreds in that building. But, you know, there were definitely a lot. And, you know, eventually when he confessed of a couple dozen murders, he even somebody came forward later and said, I'm not dead, but I think he may have killed so many that he even forgot names and he just threw hmm. somebody's name in there for a victim. Wow. And he didn't do that confession until he was in jail. Uh, William Randolph Hearst, right? Uh, paid him to do it. Yeah, he paid him to do it, you know, but but then he kept changing it, you know, on his, on the gallows. He said, well, I only murdered one and it was, you know, because of a botched abortion, you know. So it was like, you know, these serial killers, they have to keep that audience interest even to that last second and change it uh oh he's saying something different now you know gacy did it many of these serial killers did it that's why i'm i'm a little bit more um i have more value in the serial killers that say hey here's what i did here's who i did it to like Dahmer, he sat down and he confessed 100 percent, right you know and but you know then you have some like panzram or holmes who you know they're lying in gacy so it's like almost everything that comes out of their mouth is a lie yeah, what do you what do you trust with the confession? It's it's just making himself to try to build himself up, right? To to build exactly. up his reputation. Well, right, and then wow. they would read the newspapers, you know, on themselves. I just read, I watched that uh, docudrama on Dennis Nilsson does, and that's the same thing with him in the in the mm -hmm. uh, in the miniseries. He says, "Could I have the newspaper? Did they talk about me? Well, what else are they going to do? They're sitting in their cells. They want to read about themselves." Let's talk about the trial a little bit. So, in the film, they say that the trial was similar to like the O.J. Simpson trial, which is just a huge event. And he ended up firing his lawyers? Yes. You know, if Holmes was eventually caught in Boston. And who knows, maybe after that, he may have been planning to go overseas. But I have no proof that he ever went overseas in his lifetime. But he was apprehended by the Pinkerton detectives, you know, the first, you know, national detective agency. It actually started in here in Chicago. Um, they, the insurance company hired the Pinkertons to find him, and they did. They found him in Boston. But, you know, when they find him, where are these three children he was traveling with? So, you know, they eventually found these children, which he murdered over life insurance scam. And the trial was the trial of the century at that time in Philadelphia. Um, it was just he fired his attorneys. He served as his own attorney. <laughs> so here he is questioning the relatives of the victims on the stand. And he's enjoying it. He's he's playing the show. You know, he cries at times. And it was the biggest case of the time. It was really covered nationally and internationally, but especially in the Philadelphia Inquirer and the Chicago Tribune here in Chicago. People are still trying to learn about this. So at the site of the murder castle, you mentioned that it was a uh, post office before we uh, came on uh, the podcast here. So it's a post office and an empty lot. But people still go there to go check this out. People are so interested in this. The building was torn down in, I believe, 1938. And so there's no monument to this. There's no you know, plaque or anything like that to all these people that were, were killed in that spot. But it still brings interest, which actually brings me to another uh, topic for you. Your film, Serial Killer Culture, also available on Prime. 
Uh, in that film, you talk to collectors and artists that are fascinated with serial killers. What did you learn in creating that particular film? Well, I learned that, and especially going to conventions and expos, you know, I'll have booths. And, and what I've learned is that true crime is really a fascination that appeals to everybody and almost all ages. You know, I'll, I'll do conventions and have booths and a parent will come up with their child and I'll have mug shots and books of these serial killers. You know, you, you can't even tell these are they, to a child. They look like pictures of people, right? Mm -hmm. You know, but they're mug shots, but you know, they come up with their child and the, and the child's looking at my, and I tell them, well, these are bad people. You know what stranger danger is. And, you know, they do. So there's learning from this too. And then the parent might say, oh, I'm worried about my daughter. She's really into this stuff. And I said, no, nurture that because she could be a future judge law right. enforcement officer, psychologist. Mm -hmm. These are the people we need. So we do have to start taking this look at, at true crime. Of course, not as, oh, hey, this is all fun and games, but we should you know, let people know that there are careers and that these things are important and these people are study. You know, they're important to be studied because it's history in the end. These things happened. And, you know, I don't think people wake up one day saying, you know, I'm going to start cannibalizing other human <laughs> beings. Right. I'm just going to start drinking blood or I'm going to kill for financial motives for insurance. No, there are things about their background and especially their childhood that may have brought them to that point. So it's it's very important to study them. But, you know, the, the serial killer culture is a wide umbrella. You know, it's artists, collectors and the whole law enforcement system. You know, I know mm -hmm. an ex-police officer who owns three Gacy paintings because he's fascinated by it, too. We all are. Right. Well, just look at the, you know, the podcasts out there. Like for this podcast, of course, I'm going to put the words true crime in there because I'll get that many more plays just because the word true crime is in there. You know? Yes, yes. You know, and, and it's been brought more to the mainstream with shows like Mindhunter and, you know, mm -hmm. all these shows on television, Cold Case Files. And, you know, it seems to be almost every other show or every show almost now is true crime. Right. But but that's great again. You know, it's 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 this combination of psychology, history, horror, in, in a sense, suspense. And I think it just makes for, you know, something exciting that people can't believe that their next door neighbor, like a John Gacy, could bury 20 something victims under his house or like a nice guy like Dennis Nilsson, who works at the job center, could, you know, murder 14 young men, you know, things like that. And that's what makes us fascinated by it, because it can be our husband, wife, neighbor, employer, almost anybody. What are you working on next? I'm working on a Gacy and I, I call it my John Wayne Gacy project because it, I'm not sure at this point if it's going to be a feature film or a miniseries uh, because there's so much information that I'm uncovering that I don't feel has been covered in other documentaries or books before. So uncovering that truth is very important to me. I'm doing that and I'm also working with a UK artist, uh, Sam Hain, Shane Owen. We're doing a serial killer coloring book. He's a great artist and we're going to have the image which you could color and then on the back it's going to be information on the artist so uh, on the killer so you could cut the pages out color them and then hang them like to have a double-sided you know uh, picture oh, right. it's gonna be you know interesting stuff again that that's part of the culture aspect yeah, but it's totally. also historical right right and so where can people find this that that's coming soon but you have a lot of uh, items available on your website uh, tell people Yes, if anyone wants to view my film streaming, everything of mine is on Amazon Prime, and my films are slowly appearing more now on Tubi. There's, uh, I think, Albert Fish and H.H. Holmes are on Tubi. There will be more appearing there, Viddy Space. So check your streaming platforms. You could check out my films there. My store is the best 
place to find items by me where I could autograph and personalize to my fans. And that's store.johnborowski.com. And my website's just my name, johnborowski.com. All right. Hey, thank you for uh, jumping on today. We're, we got to have you back. I mean, we're, we're, yeah. we're going to be doing plenty of, of stories about I'd various count me crimes in. and serial killers and things like that. I think it'll be yes. fun to have you back. Yeah. Count me in. I, I really appreciate it. And thank you for what you're doing. Again, this is all very important. All right. And I look forward to having you back. All right. Let's take a look at our birthdays for today. Martin Scorsese turns 78. Sydney Smith turns 22. Rachel McAdams turns 42. This one makes me feel old. RuPaul turns 60 today. Oh, wow. Uh, Danny DeVito is 76. The singer-songwriter Gordon Lightfoot, 82. Lauren Michaels is 76. And remember Howard Dean, the guy that ran for president a little while ago? Yeah, he's 72 today. All right, that's your look at November 17th. Thanks for listening to This Is Today. We do our best to pull together all the correct information. If we made a mistake and you heard it, guess what? You're super smart and we're super sorry. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a five star if you think we deserve it. If you'd like to make sure that we cover something on a future episode, let us know. Go to thisistodaypodcast.com to make suggestions, give us feedback, and see our other podcasts. Special thanks to John Borowski for joining me today. I'm Russ, and I will talk to you tomorrow.